God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this message, All They Did, He Was the Doer. Now let me read our text in Genesis chapter 39. This is speaking of Joseph when he was thrown into prison, falsely accused and thrown into prison. We read in verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer. Now listen to that language carefully and let me um, make this statement with regard to the scripture. Every scripture is God-breathed, said exactly as God would have it said. Uh, many people, uh, if you look at the different translations of the scripture, they take this statement, all that was, all they did there, Joseph was the doer of it. And if you look at many of these translations, they say everything that was done, Joseph was held responsible for it. Well, that could be, but that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says all they did, Joseph was the doer. And we're going to get to that in a moment. And that describes what Jesus Christ did as a substitute for his people. The exactness of the gospel is found in that statement, said exactly as God would have it said. Now, the first part of Genesis chapter 39 is Joseph being sold by his brothers to some Ishmaelites, and they, the Ishmaelites, sell Joseph in Egypt to a man named Potiphar. And Eleven years of his life are covered in the first six verses where he served Potiphar so admirably, so much so that Potiphar gave Joseph the responsibility of everything. And the last thing said of Joseph in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 6 is that he was a goodly person and well favored. He was a very handsome man. Now, we read of, Joseph, of Potiphar's wife, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. In a brazen way, she wanted him to commit adultery with her. She found him physically attractive. Lie with me. But he refused. And said, behold, my master wotteth not what's in with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath in my hand. There's no greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness 
and sin against God. Now how beautiful Joseph is at this time. He would not give in to her request to commit adultery. He said, how can I sin against God when he's done so much for me? When, the, when Potiphar has put me in such a place of authority and given me so much, how can I sin against him? How can I sin against God and do this great wickedness? Now, this debunks the uh, thought that grace is a license to sin. <laughs> no, grace is no license to sin. If you understand anything about the grace of God, it makes you not want to sin against him. I would never sin again. But she tries to tempt him with sexual sin. Now God made the intimate act between a man and a woman. And it's beautiful. It's a part of the goodness of God. You take two people, a man and a woman, married and committed to one another until death alone shall part them. And the intimate act is beautiful. The writer to the Hebrews said, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Sexual sin is behind so much of the problems of our society. The perverse crimes, the homes that are broken because of it, lives destroyed, the suffering children experience, it leaves in its wake. Sexual sin is a great evil. Now, the intimate act in marriage is holy. Outside of marriage, it's sin, it's evil. But every one of us, every one of you listening, every one of us know far too much about the temptations of sexual sin. You see, when Adam fell in the garden and hid from God's presence, and God went to find him, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, why have you hid? He said, because I knew I was naked. Now, he was naked before the fall, but he did not have a sinful nature. When he fell, he became a sinner. He became dead in sins, and now nakedness is such an issue to him, and he's filled with uh, sinful thoughts and unclean thoughts that he never had before the fall. So every one of us are far too familiar with the temptation to sexual sin. Now, I love what Paul said, flee fornication. Flee fornication. Flee sexual sin. It's so wrong. It's so perverse. Flee it and teach your children the same. Now, verse 10. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. She kept coming at him and he kept refusing. And it came to pass, verse 11, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house that were within. I think Potiphar's wife set this up. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he'd left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, <clears throat> that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in to lie with me. 
And I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up the garment by her until her Lord came home. And there's a saying that says, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And this is what this woman is. When Joseph repeatedly refused her attempts to get him to uh, have sexual sin with her, she accused him of rape. And she used that garment that she had grabbed when he fled to get away from her as proof. And she waited for her husband to get home. Verse 19, or verse 18, And she spake unto him, her husband, according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in to mock me, and it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners are bound, and he was there in the prison. Now, why didn't uh, Potiphar have him executed? I think that he had had experience with his wife and things like this before. And he knew of the virtue of Joseph, but he wasn't going to deny that this took place. So instead of executing him, he puts him in prison. And what a horrible place that must have been. And we read in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Even while he was in the prison cell, Psalm 105, verses 17 and 18 says, Joseph, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. What a place. But the Lord was with him. You know, if the Lord's with me, everything's okay. And it was that way with Joseph. The Lord was with him in the prison cell. And if I'm a believer, if you're a believer, you know what? The Lord is always with with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord was with Joseph. And not only that, he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now that keeper of the prison was no doubt a hardened man. Of course, a keeper in the prison would be that way. But God turned his heart to have a favorable attitude towards Joseph. You see, the scripture says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And that's true with regard to every son of Adam. And this keeper of the prison, this hardened man, this jailer, God turned his heart to cause him to favor Joseph. Verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Now that's the same thing that Potiphar did. He gave Joseph everything. He didn't know anything even about what he had except what Joseph gave him to eat. He committed everything to Joseph. His wisdom, his diligence in making things to prosper. And God made him to prosper. Well, the prison keeper did the same thing. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there... He was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. 
And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, we see the beautiful character of Joseph in this story. We see him resisting temptation. He's such a powerful type of Christ who resisted temptation. He was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. But in this statement, the exactness of the words of this statement, we hear the gospel. Remember the Lord said with regard to the scriptures, they are they which testify of me. And in this statement, whatsoever they did there, speaking of the prisoners, Joseph was the doer of it. Now in this statement, we find out how God saves sinners. Now, first of all, what was Joseph, what did Joseph have committed to him? Well, look what verse 22 says, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. What was Joseph given responsibility for? All the prisoners that were in the prison. Now it's said of the Lord that he came to preach deliverance to the captives, to the prisoners, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to set them free from prison. Now, let me talk just for a moment about this thing of being a prisoner. Not everybody understands this, but the believer does. A prisoner cannot just walk out of the cell when he wants to. The cell's locked. He's imprisoned because of the sins he's committed, because of the crimes he's committed. And he's there against his will. He does not want to be there, and he cannot get out. Now, this describes everyone who sees themselves as a sinner. Paul put it this way in Romans seven fourteen: For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Sold as a slave to sin, and I can't get out of my cell. You're in the prison of sin. You know it's all your fault, and you're being held there against your will, and you can't get out. Now, not everybody feels this way. Um, men believe they have a free will. And they can make a choice when they want. And they can accept Jesus as their personal Savior whenever they get ready. They don't believe themselves to be totally depraved. So they think that there's something they can do to relieve their situation. Now, a natural man understands the horrors of addiction, where you're addicted, maybe substance abuse of some kind, and you're addicted and you just can't kick it. But they still hope that somehow, under some circumstances, they can kick it. But if you ever find out that you're a sinner, you know that there's nothing you can do to deliver yourself from the prison cell of sin. But let me say this also. That's the person Christ came to save. Who was Joseph given responsibility for? All the prisoners. You know, the scripture says, he heareth the sighing 
of the prisoners. Believers are even called prisoners of hope. And everyone imprisoned by sin, and they see that they're stuck and can't get out, bound. That's the person Christ came to save. Listen to this scripture. This is a faithful saying. And it's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief, Paul said. Now, notice the language said exactly as God would have it said. Whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Whatever those prisoners did, Joseph was the doer of it. Now, here we have the great mystery of the gospel, substitution. Now, I suppose you could say that under his leadership and example... Uh, these hardened criminals were inspired to a life of virtue, and that would be good if that's what took place, but that's not what the Scripture says. It simply says, whatsoever they did, Joseph was the doer of it. Now, that statement gives us both sides of substitution. This tells us what was going on on the cross This tells us how God can be just and justify the ungodly. Now, whatsoever was done there, he was the doer. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God the Father, hath made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin. And do you hear that? How did God do this? I don't know, but he did it. He made his son to be sin. And his son knew no sin. Now listen real carefully. Jesus Christ never committed a sin. Even when he was made sin, he never committed a sin. Don't anyone think That when he was made sin, he started lusting or he started being jealous or envious or angry or started hating God. No, he never sinned. But that does not change the fact that he was made sin. And that lets us know the first side of this statement. Whatsoever they did, he was the doer. My sin, my iniquity, my transgression, he bore. When he drank that cup in Gethsemane's garden, the sins of all of the elect were in that cup. And he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And my sin became his sin so that he actually became guilty of the commission of that sin. You see, when God punished him, he wasn't punishing the innocent. He was punishing the guilty. My sin became his sin. Why did he not defend himself before the high priest and before Pilate? Because he knew that before God, he was 
guilty. Now, how did God do this? I don't know, but I do know he did it. The scripture says he was made sin. Somehow God lifted my sin off me, put it in his son. He was made sin. He was made guilty of the commission of that sin. And that's why God punished him. That's why God killed him. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? All sin must be punished. There will never be a sin that goes unpunished. It's either going to be punished in my substitute or it'll be punished in me. Now, Christ bore my sin so that whatsoever I did, he became the doer. That's why he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? (coughs) He did forsake him. And that's because that's what I deserve. And my sin became his. And it came to the place where he deserved that. Whatsoever was done, he became the doer of it. Now somebody says, can you make that good from the scripture? There's so many scriptures I could turn to, but let me turn to one, Psalm 69. Now in this psalm, we read in verse 21, they gave me also gall for my meat and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now who's speaking? Jesus Christ. Remember when they gave him gall and vinegar? That was in answer to this prophecy in Psalm 69, 21. This is Christ speaking. And he says in verse 5, O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sin are not hid from thee. Now somebody says, how could Christ say something like that if he never sinned? Because my foolishness became his on the cross. And my sins became his on the cross. And he cries out, O God, thou knowest my foolishness. And my sins are not hid from thee. Now, my sins, the sins I have committed, he became the doer of those sins. Once again, he never committed a sin in himself, but all that sin is, he was made to experience. But here's the other side. Whatsoever they did, he was the doer. Now let me read you another passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I think this will um, help us to understand this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And let me say this, there's only one judgment. People have used this passage of scripture to teach a different judgment. There's only one judgment, the great white throne judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that Every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, what's been done in your body? Bad? Sure. Many sins. So, how can I be saved then if I'm going to be receiving the things done in my body? Because the things done in my body 
are all good because it's his doing. It's what the Bible calls justification. All the things that I've done are all good because they're all his doing. In salvation, he is the doer. I love it when the Lord said uh, to John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 verse 15, Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. When Jesus Christ fulfilled all righteousness, it became mine. What I did in my body, and that can be summarized by everything Christ did the 33 years he walked upon this earth, perfect righteousness, all the things done in my body, which makes me perfect, he was the doer. You see, in salvation, he is the doer. Um, election, for instance, that's where salvation begins, is his doing. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Justification is his doing. Uh, he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Redemption is his doing. He redeemed us from the curse, having been made a curse for us. Regeneration has this one reason, his doing. I'm not regenerated and born again in response to me asking for it, but because Christ died for me, because God elected me. It's all because of his doing. I'm preserved because I'm preserved in Christ Jesus. It's all according to his doing. Now let me close with this thought in Genesis chapter 39, verse 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You see, Joseph committed everything, or the prisoner committed everything to Joseph's hand. Now that's what the believer does. We commit all of our salvation to Christ. And here's why. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. You know who first trusted in Christ? God the Father. He entrusted the complete salvation of all of His people to the Lord Jesus Christ before time began as their surety. And Jesus Christ took complete responsibility for their salvation. And at that time, God ceased to look for anything out of any of those people. He looked to everything that he required of them to his son for. Now, you and I are called upon to trust Christ the same way the Father does. The Father looks to Christ for everything. You and I are called upon to look to Christ for everything. To really believe that everything God requires of me, everything, he looks to Jesus Christ for. Jesus Christ really is all in salvation. He's not 99% of salvation. He's all of salvation. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Jesus paid it all, all the dead I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I trust his doings. I look nowhere else but him. And that's what's called faith in Christ. I'm relying on this, that all God requires of me, he looks to his son for. And all that they did, he was the doer of it. 
Now, we have this message on DVD and CD. Call the church and we'll send you one. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 